Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Perry Mason After Show, episode one, entitled Chapter One. I'm your host and lover of all things gumshoe, Sean McHugh. <laughs> uh, I, of course, have an amazing partners in crime, pun intended, so let me introduce you to them. First of all, we have Lauren Kling, a Hollywood history tour guide. Hello, Lauren. That's right. Hello. Hello, Mr. Sean McHugh Mason. <laughs> uh, we also have the lovely Erica Edwards, who loves all things murder and mayhem. Hello, Erica. What's up, party people? <laughs> uh, and last but certainly not least, Miss Alyssa Dickert, who loves all things HBO. Hello, Alyssa. Hi, everyone. So excited to be here. Uh, well, I think we found out pretty pretty quickly that this is not your grandpa's Perry Mason, folks. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'm very excited to talk about this, but overall thoughts on the episode. Lauren, let's start with you. Uh, you know what? This was an interesting, an interesting take on an old property from so many of the uh, reviews and information about the show that came out before its release yesterday, uh, a lot of people asked why. Mm. Why bring Perry Mason back, who was around in the 50s, then came back in the 80s and 90s? Mm. So I hope over the course of the uh, first season, we can talk about why it's come back. Um, I thought it was good. It's very early Hollywood film noir. Mm. You know, you've got the typical goings on of uh, gangsters and crime and a corrupt LAPD and Angel's Flight. I am so excited to talk about the history of Angel's Flight because when I give tours in downtown Los Angeles, we actually go on Angel's Flight mm. and talk about its history. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Erica, what were your uh, overall thoughts on this episode? I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I think it's... Um, all of the Perry Masons I've ever seen in group run or whatever, it's a clearly an edgier version. So I think it kind of brings it a little bit more of that sort of devil in a blue dress type feel to it. And I think it's um, an interesting twist. Nice. Nice. Finally, Alyssa, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I really enjoyed watching it. I love old Hollywood and the way it was filmed. I thought it was really, this first episode was really well done. Um, I never watched any of the Perry Mason's OG Perry Mason episodes. So I did a lot of research about that just to kind of see how different it is. So I'm excited to talk about, you know, the differences and this season. Nice. Lauren, I think that's a great question. Why are we bringing this back? I know I'm old enough to at least be aware of the original one. I think the eighties, you know, TV movies is where my zone was. That's where I really was introduced to, Raymond Burr and, and then, oh, he's also done this in the past. Um, 
But uh, I definitely had that thought when I first saw the trailer. I was like, why are we doing this? And I think with anything HBO, uh, they answer that pretty quickly is because they're HBO and they know how to do things right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we have, so let's just get into this. Let's get into this episode. We have a very interesting beginning. We have this kind of bizarre kidnapping that, uh, you know, I I definitely felt from the beginning. I'm like, this doesn't feel great. You know, it's like, this is going to, this is going to be too easy for them to just give the baby over. I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling good for this baby. And of course we quickly realized that, yeah, I was right. Uh, Erica, what were your thoughts on this whole beginning of this episode? Okay, so obviously the baby was not going to be in there. But even when she looked at the baby, like it wasn't until later on in the episode, I was like, oh, that's just like a Chucky doll. Like I didn't really get like, okay, this is really supposed to be their baby with his eyes all stitched and stuff. So that was interesting. I was like, oh, um, I think they're still using the same um, special effects as they had in the 50s. Because I was like, wait, is that, a, I was like, is that a doll? Like, I was, I assumed it was a doll and their child was still out there. And then later they were like, oh, it's this bizarre murder and then the stitches. And I was like, oh, so that was um, interesting because I knew it wasn't the baby, but I was confused for a moment as to what it actually was. So. That oh, it, that's interesting. So you saw this as like a bad effect as opposed to uh, a, a definite choice. Uh, that's very interesting. Lauren, <laughs> what, Lauren, what were your, did you, did you think it was a real baby? What, what were your You thoughts? know what? I, I kind of agree with Erica in so far as I thought it was a doll that they had put right. into the yeah. blanket. Yeah, until, I that. Right. Until I realized the mom was screaming and that it was the baby, but it, it the baby was dead. Hmm. And you think, are they going to go that that low or that that serious right away? And they did. <laughs> so it kind of sets up how far they're going to go. Uh, this is, the, I think, the first kind of idea we get that this is not your parents, Perry Mason. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, well, well said. Uh, so then we get move on and we, we have, we have, we, we get introduced to Perry and then uh, I don't know the, the character name, but Shea Wingham is the actor that plays Pete Strickland. His, Pete Strickland is okay. So that I, I love this actor, Shea Wingham. Um, I, this guy, he can't do any wrong for me. Uh, I mean, he's from Boardwalk Empire. He was great. And obviously this is kind of a similar vein as far as style. Uh, but that guy is just so great. So what a great, you know, counterpart to, to Perry Mason played by Matthew Reese, who I also think is doing a great job uh, I've kind of been recently introduced to him. I never saw the Americans, but I did see the Mr. Rogers movie and I thought he was great in that. So yeah. um, uh, anyway, so we are moving on and then they start following this, this, this chubby who's called in the show. Uh, it's obviously, uh, a, it's obviously fatty. Was it fatty Warbucks or is that? Is fatty that, Arbuckle. Fatty Arbuckle. I'm sorry. Thank yeah. you. See, Lauren's going to be great for this because he's going to, he's going to correct me on all the history. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren, in advance. Uh, so we get Fatty Arbuckle, and they're following him. And then he gets into that house, and wow. Uh, now we're in HBO, folks, because he's eating all kinds of pie. Uh, wow. Alyssa, talk about this scene. Like, what were your thoughts on seeing all this and how graphic it was, too? Yeah, I was, I mean, I guess it's HBO, so they can do whatever they want. Um, but I wasn't, when he first went into the, first of all, I was like, geez, he's really taking it far, this period, like going inside the home and sneaking in. But I was not expecting to see that. Like, I knew that there were probably some 
hookup that was going to be going on, but with the food and <laughs> the, the pie, all that, it was, I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. This is buckle in. Cause it's HBO guys. Yep. That, that was, yep. that was your first clue there. Um, what were your thoughts, Erica? Um, well, one thing I've thought throughout the entire episode is that I kind of feel like his camera is really his cell phone. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, okay, because back then I'm like, well, when did you have time to get these pictures developed? Like there's always, so that was the one thing I found interesting about that particular scene, how every single thing he's mm -hmm. right there with the camera, which to me seems like back then people would be like, what are you doing? So it's so interesting that that part seems sort of like a modern twist, but he always has to get in very close to what's going on. And then even this like hot, you know, he's going to get the exact pie eating photo. So that's, that's <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to sell it to the tabloids. Yeah, like, me too. I was like, oh, paparazzi uh, over here. Erica, I love I love how you said that, that like it's almost his cell phone, right? Because he does use it a lot and he's very good at kind of, you know, discreetly taking the pictures. It right. doesn't make a big sound or anything. It's very discreet. Uh, so I love that analogy that, you know, it's 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 that how do we give him this like what's his weapon of choice, as it were? And, you know, he's uh, he's a bit of a shutterbug also. Um, yes. So we we find out, too, that he lives on a rundown dairy farm which i thought was a very interesting i mean they quickly they kind of foreshadow it with their them being in the milk truck and then of course it's oh it's your farm your old your farm's milk truck so that's an interesting thing that he's also you know in the middle of a of a of a uh runway for this sightseeing planes uh, it's it, it was very bizarre to me lauren what were your your thoughts on his kind of like home base well, we I think we learn between his dilapidated family farm, his ex-wife's feelings about him, uh, the dishonorable military discharge. We learn pretty quick that he's uh, not only a drunk, but he's a recluse and that we should have no reason to think that he can actually do anything. <laughs> this seems to be a trope we see a lot where we have a character who seems down and out and at their lowest and throughout the season, we see them kind of, kind of rising to the challenge. Um, so I don't think he's going to open up, reopen up his family dairy and have a successful <laughs> career in that. Um, but, but boy, you can't really start any lower than he has. Yeah, I, I agree. They're definitely painting this picture of a flawed man, mm -hmm. right? In a sense, the only thing he can do well is his job. Yeah, uh, and I agree that is kind of a trope we see a lot. But, but I think it's a trope for a reason because I, we all like an underdog. You know, we like somebody who's flawed. We can relate to that. You know, he doesn't do any everything well, but he does one thing well. And I think you know we all kind of aspire to that in a way. Like if I can just do one thing well, uh, I might get through life. You know, successfully. Uh, but he doesn't he doesn't necessarily do that one thing well, as we saw when he tried to extort the head of the uh, film studio for 600 bucks. Well, that's true. <laughs> but I wouldn't call that his job. I would call that him going. And he even said, I think I overstepped myself. Yeah, uh, I think that was out of his peripheral. And I think that's why it didn't go well. <laughs> but uh, but good point. Good point. Uh, so we, we move on and, uh, oh, we have John Lithgow. I can't forget John Lithgow. 
who is a lawyer and it seems to be kind of his uh for lack of a better word maybe his his pimp or his like you know his guy who gets some work um and because he even says like you're an idiot you're you're messed up but you do this job well so mm-hmm. i need you to help me with this um i mean i love i love john lithgow i mean he's just great in all, everything he does i think he fits in this period very well um but he's going to introduce him to this Mr. Baggerly, uh, who needs essentially Perry to do his thing, uh, played uh, again by amazing actor Robert Patrick, who I, you know, again, this show is so good because it just surrounds him with all these great people. Um, uh, I love how he says, uh, Perry Mason asks him, he says, why don't you just have the cops do it? And he says, I'll be frank, Mr. Mason. I don't trust the Los Angeles Police Department to do their job. And then Perry says, yeah, neither would I. So, Alyssa, talk about uh, talk about a little bit of the scene of introducing to all these other characters uh, in the show. Yeah, I mean, that line definitely stood out, especially with everything that's going on right now. I was like, oof, even like, you know, back back then, you know, it, I know it's a TV show, but it was just, that was just, it just was an interesting line in, in the series. But being introduced to all them, then we kind of understand how all this is going to be connected, the players. Um, and kind of, you know, how this lawyer friend kind of is like on his side in a way, just trying to help him get work and knows he's, you know, not doing great in a lot of aspects of his life, but knows he potentially would do a good job in this case. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and it's, you're right, actually, corruption is is not new, that's for sure. Um, and you know, we see here, obviously, that, you know, it's 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 as old as the hills, as it were. Um, there's a quick, funny, uh, funny side note. The, the guy who was kind of the prophet on the angels flight with the newspaper, uh, that actor is actually a friend of mine. So it was always kind of, it was kind of nice to, to see, see him. I'm like, Oh, there's David. Look at that. Uh, so it's always good to see your friends, uh, on the show. Uh, it actually reminds me, I gotta, I gotta reach out to him and, and congratulate him. Uh, but, uh, sorry, sit quick, just side note there. Um, so we're moving down the line a little here. Oh, we have this also thing, which it was interesting when they introduced the, the character of the woman who owns the, the airport or the, the, the flight business, it definitely seemed like they were not friends. And then we quickly see that, oh, he's sleeping with the enemy. <laughs> uh, Erica, what were your thoughts on, on this character that uh, it seems to be his kind of booty? Well, actually, she, he seems to be her booty call in a way. Um, yeah, I thought that the scene between them was really interesting because uh, she almost seemed like she was abusing him or whatever. And then he's <laughs> falling down in between the bed and stuff. So, and he can't keep his pants up. He seemed um, very, I'll say, vulnerable. I'll use that word, but you know, kind of a little emasculated. And uh, so, I thought their their dynamic was really interesting. And they keep bringing up this, uh, you know, people that want to buy. The, the farm from him and it's so interesting to me that like I'm thinking you know how bad is that traffic you know what I'm saying like how far like where are you where there's farms and you're coming into LA so mm. that part is uh because it kind of gives you a midwestern feel once they get to the farm and then it's like no wait but back to Los Angeles um I think introducing his sort of uh sex love interest was uh good because I thought he was gonna end up with the uh with the secretary mm-hmm. mm. but, 
but it was a surprise. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, I was definitely, I was definitely not expecting that and it was a very pleasant surprise. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. So, so Lauren, uh, Erica has brought up that whole thing of like how, you know, it seemed like we were in the Midwest at his farm, but then we're quickly in LA. And I think maybe you could speak on that a little bit, how, you know, LA wasn't as developed, especially back then, right? Right. Up until in the last 20 years, even the San Fernando Valley had a lot of uh, farmland in it. So back then in the 1930s, before the highways were even around, you had uh, farmland in L.A. proper. Hollywood was farmland. When the movie business got its start in Los Angeles, uh, Hollywood was just a dusty little conservative uh, farming community. People left the Midwest to set up shop. Hollywood was a alcohol free town. Oh, wow. And so, and so, um, uh, what they grew, um, uh, I'll get avocados, oranges, lemons, limes, a lot of citrus was grown here in Los Angeles. So the fact that he was on, uh, a, you know, living on a dairy farm with a runway that could have been anywhere. Mm. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah, I thought that I th- I'm so glad we have you on this panel, Lauren, because, uh, you know, I, I know a little history and I know that, you know, things weren't developed as quickly as other places. But uh, I love that we have you to to make it all official. So thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> and I, I do want to mention, because we talked about that, the I, love making. I don't know if love making would be the correct term for that <laughs> scene, but when Perry kind of is pushed into between the bed and the wall. Yes, I, I thought that was, that was amazing cinematography and very sad. It just added to his story of, it didn't seem like he had any purpose in, in wanting to live. And I got to mm. give tip a hat to Tim Van Patten who directed this episode. Of course, we know him from a lot of HBO shows. Alyssa, you could probably recognize his work from Sopranos, from Boardwalk Empire. So I think he's got such a good eye. And when I think of HBO, I think of him. Mm. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, you're right. That, that scene was, you're, it's funny. I, now I'm thinking about it. You're right. It was like kind of sad. Like it was almost, she just kind of left him in the crack between the bed and the wall. Like it was like, wow. Like it, it almost erased the fact they were having sex. Like that's, that's, uh, that's a good point. And you're right. I, I'm with you. Uh, Tim Van Patten, he can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned directing wise. Um, all right. So, so it's 1932 and, you know, you got to be careful back in the day, especially because these studio execs, they're ruthless. Alyssa, we talked, we touched on it earlier with Lauren about uh, Perry getting a little out of his purview. Uh, what were your thoughts on like on this whole, this whole scene that we think Perry is going to get paid because he gets this great pick that, you know, which we find out a little later, he didn't just get the pie, he got the girl as well. And it turns out she's a big deal for the studio. So what was your uh, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I thought that he was going to get paid because I thought, you know, back then an up and coming star, they're going to do anything to try to squash any negative press, you know. And then as soon as he walked into the room with just that one light bulb and then like the, I don't know, bouncer I don't know what to call them but like the guys there that you knew that were going to handle business if something didn't go wrong and just him by himself I was like this isn't going to be good but I honestly thought that he was at least going to get the $200 but to give him a dollar I was like that is just 
I felt bad for him. I felt bad for the guy. He's thinking he's going in there getting 600 bucks. It's New Year's Eve, 300, 300 for, you know, and oh, that was, that was, I felt bad. I honestly felt bad for the guy. Definitely. Yeah, I was surprised because I'm like, he has the negative still and he can yes. do it. But it was like, it was almost like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to, you, this is what's going to happen and you're going to do it. And you're going to like almost thank me for letting you do it. Yeah, uh, Lauren, Lauren, what was, who, who is that exec that they're obviously uh, referencing? Yeah. Well, it's a fictitious film company. I'm trying to remember the name of the film company um, in the show, but it's fictitious. It's not a real one, but that was normal for back then. There would be departments on the studio lots just to control the media, what went out and what didn't go out. And they would pay off uh, reporters by holding a story back or if they wanted to get at somebody by pushing the story forward. Um, I'll give another, I'm tipping another hat, a second hat to a <laughs> podcast called You Must Remember This. Um, Katrina Longworth does an amazing job doing research and doing multi-episodes about she started with the, you know, the first hundred years of the business or the early years of the movie business. And you hear all of these stories. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Definitely check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we're, 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 we're moving down the line here and we, we find out that shocker, the cops are involved with this kidnapping of this kid. Um, and we also find out too, that actually that there's a, there's kind of a church involved uh, with with this whole with this family as well, we didn't get too much into it, but we just got kind of teased that they belong to this kind of mega church, as it were. It seemed like, um, but you know the the fact that the the bulldog cop is involved in this kidnapping like was obviously not a surprise for me. Erica, what were your thoughts on on uh, this uh, kind of discovering all this stuff? Um, I think it was very surprising. I think it will be interesting to see how the cops and the church kind of tie into it, because I think it's all going to come back to the church and, um, you know, and kind of how they're doing things as well. So I thought it was really interesting to see the corrupt cop and, you know, the gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then how quick, like, like everyone instantly killed, like, okay, there's that evidence gone then you know it's almost like we have no 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 evidence for the crime anymore in a way so uh, it'll be interesting to how to see how all this kind of plays out i agree with you i think obviously this goes way deeper than this specific crime um and we'll get into that maybe with our predictions a little later uh, but yeah it was uh it was very interesting to see all this kind of this world like obviously it's the first episode so we're really trying to give us this whole world and clue us into what how it all works and, and where you know Perry fits in so I, think yeah, and I thought it was I agree I thought it was interesting that like when they were showing them and they're like okay we're waiting to get our cut or whatever they do sort of seem like idiots you know what I'm saying yeah. so it's like okay how did they pull off this whole thing and then that's when you see like oh, okay yeah they really are idiots you know what I'm saying yeah so that was kind of cool the way they shot that as well yeah, they were definitely the pawns. They were not the uh, rooks. <laughs> um, so we get uh, we get back. He's you know it's New Year's Eve has happened. You know he just got ripped off of six hundred dollars and he's back at his home. And you know he, we just see like this is the real guy. This is the guy. This is the guy the wife left. 
I mean, he literally, you know, he's trying to talk to his son. She won't let him. Uh, I, I thought to myself, wow, what did that fire truck ever do to you, man? Man, like he just goes to town on that thing. Yeah. And then I love, I love how, you know, we, the, his, his, his booty call comes back in and kind of just breaks it all down for him. Uh, Lauren, talk about that scene where she comes in. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, when I think back to that scene, I think about him stomping the fire truck, him on the phone yelling at his wife, and then she comes in. I, I think of her less as a booty call and more of a, a voice of reason mm. that he doesn't have. I think she's there to set him straight. And it's an odd relationship. It, you know, maybe it might be if it was a buddy cop movie, it might be the best friend or the buddy. So I, I kind of feel like she's a voice of reason that makes him see his ways are wrong. And I don't know if you agree or if it's me just kind of extrapolating what I think might happen with her. No, I like that. Almost like his conciliary in a way. Is that what you're saying? Kind of? Yeah. With benefit, conciliary with benefits. Is that <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Hashtag. <laughs> uh, okay, great. And then just to kind of wrap up the, the episode, he says, he says to her, "Everybody's up to something. Got an angle. Everybody is guilty." Alyssa, what were your thoughts when he said that? I was like, I'm pretty sure that this might be the theme of the show because mm. you know it was really interesting because it goes with. Kind of we're just trying to figure out all the characters who's playing what as far as the church involvement lapd's involvement um even perry mason getting his life a little turned around so i thought that that was a very powerful and for being drunk i thought that that was a very powerful quote for him to say and definitely something that is going to carry out throughout the, the series well, they say that, you know, the alcohol brings out the truth in people a lot. And uh, I think that is definitely his truth, is, at, least, at least for now. Uh, all right, great. So let's move on to our special segment. I'm going to turn it over to our in-house historian, Mr. Lauren Kling. Take yeah, it away, no, sir. No pressure on the historian part. So, <laughs> so, so I mentioned that I was a, a Hollywood history uh, tour guide here in Los Angeles. And one of our newer tours is a downtown walking tour. It's an hour and a half. And it's, it's mm. you know, it's crazy. It's been, what, four months since COVID? And I had to look back at our story script, you know, the history that we cover. But one of those things that we cover and we actually go visit is Angel's Flight. It was that uh, small little funicular train that was so prominently displayed in the show and also in the credits, which I thought was really cool. Mm. So... That train went up what's called Bunker Hill or what's left of Bunker Hill. Bunker Hill was this place in downtown L.A., twice as tall as it is today, that went up about five to six hundred feet. And that's where all the rich people lived in the early 1900s, bankers, lawyers, doctors. And so they would take this Angels Flight train for a penny to come down downtown so they could go to shop, go to the theaters that are on Broadway a block over. It's 298 feet long. It's the shortest run, uh, shortest uh, railway in the whole world. It takes a minute to go up. You may have seen it in shows like Bosch, The Muppets, mm. when Jason Siegel is singing, Am I a Muppet or Am I a Man? 
I was almost going to sing out. I decided not to. Uh, La La Land, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling dance off of it. But it's the two cars that are on there, Olivet and Sinai, which are named after biblical mountains, are the same cars from 1901. Wow. Now, as far as we understand, this was built by the Benevolent Order, uh, sorry, the Benevolent and Paternal Order of the Elks because there's a BPOE stamped at the bottom of the hill on a sign. And we think that at the top of the hill, they had their lo- their main location downtown, and they built that when they were going to have uh, a conference for people in the area. So it wasn't built by the city, but it was built by the Elks Lodge to shuttle people up and down. Uh, people still go on it today. It's, it's a dollar to go one mm. way. I could keep talking about, oh, and one last thing, it's not in its original location. One of the things that's so amazing is that it was actually on 3rd Street, so a half a block up on the same side of the street. So the show actually recreated what it looked like. So you saw that there was a pharmacy and a building next to it. When you saw from inside the room and you could see through the window, you know, where the guy was leaving the money, you could see those homes on the other side. That was what Bunker Hill looked like. And Bunker Hill actually turned into a dilapidated area so bad that the city of L.A. was embarrassed enough where they tore all of Bunker Hill down. This was the largest destruction of a community anywhere in the United States because it it turned into tenement homes and run down hotels. Wow. And so that would have been in the 1950s. So we're still looking um, we're still looking when it still was full of people. So anyway, that's a little bit about Angel's Flight. Awesome. Love it. And look forward to uh, all the stuff you're going to be telling us throughout this whole series. Uh, I will be relying on you just as a warning for all of our history (laughs) and making sure to keep me on point with stuff. All right. Uh, Awesome. And now let's move on to our news. Miss Alyssa, take it away. Yeah. So as I was doing some research about the show, trying to figure out what to talk about for this, I saw that... Perry Mason outperforms Watchmen and The Outsider, which I thought was amazing. Um, It was watched by a total of 1.7 million viewers across all platforms, which apparently is the strongest debut for any series in almost two years. And just to compare, Watchmen drew 1.5 million viewers, and the first episode of The Outsider delivered 1.2. And the Perry Mason numbers match the season three premiere of Westworld, which is, I think, awesome for a new series to come on. So a lot of eyes on this show. Wow. Well, I guess I guess that's, that answers the question. Why, Lauren? <laughs> <laughs> because we want some HBO TV. That's it. Exactly. That's it. Uh, is anyone uh, is anyone joining us in the chat, Erica? Um, no. But there are six people watching, so shout out to you guys, and certainly feel free to comment. (laughs) Yes, please do. We love when you comment. We'll give you a shout out. Just just say anything, and we'll we'll almost- Say hi, say whatever, but thanks for watching, you guys. But thank you, yes. Thanks for making us the ESPN of TV talk. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. All right, so final thoughts and predictions. Let's get into this. Where do we think we're going with this series? Uh, Mr. Lauren, I'm going to start with you. Well, we mentioned Tatiana Maslany earlier, and I love her from Orphan Black. So I'm excited to see where her character, Sister Alice, comes into play. Sister Alice is based off of an actual 
um, uh, pioneer Amy Semple McPherson, founder of the Foursquare Church, mm. which is actually located here in L.A. next to uh, next to the lake, Echo Park Lake. And so she's got an interesting story that I'm going to cover. I love Tatiana Maslany, and I have a feeling she's not going to be the good girl that she played in that previous series I just mentioned. And just to clarify, that's the, the secretary girl, right? No, Tatiana Maslany, we haven't seen her in this episode, but we did oh. allude to Sister Alice, oh. the, the preacher, the radio preacher. Oh, the, oh, so she's playing the preacher. She's playing the radio preacher ah, who, who is okay. based off of, in real life, a woman who was a very popular uh, radio preacher worldwide back in those, day, in those got days. It, got it. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, no, that, that's it. That's exciting. Uh, Alyssa, what are your, what are your thoughts? Overall, I really like the show, so I'm excited <laughs> for the rest of this season. But um, I'm excited to see kind of, you know, how this more plays out as it goes on as far as involvement with the church and law enforcement and who's to blame for the death. And kind of I feel like it's going to intertwine and twist. Also, um, just, you know, Perry Mason's character and seeing how, you know, that develops and maybe kind of going back to like what caused him and his wife's breakup and the baby and, you know, his involvement in World War One. I'm interested to see that develop as it goes on. Love it. Love it. Erica. All right. Well, someone in the chat finally shouted us out. And Michael B says, hey, guys, what was the clue you think Perry found? Um, so mm -hmm. my prediction is that 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 Perry did find something maybe to tie the cops in or whatever because it's kind of like the drunken stupor and then all of a sudden you you know you get it so um we'll see uh so yeah are we talking about that turtle mm -hmm. like at yes. the very end because, yeah because yeah, he's like he said he likes turtles so there has to yeah. be something like I think um either the church or actually the father is, you know, someone close in there is tied to it. So I think, mm. I don't know, maybe even the mother, who knows? Mm. Love it. Love it. Uh, yeah. That, that, I will say that when, when he pulled that, that, that stitch out of that baby's eye, that creeped me out. <laughs> I think I had nightmares last night from it. Um, so, but it'll, it'll be interesting. I, I, I think that, like I said before, this, this baby is, is goes where this water runs really deep and, I, exactly. I agree. I agree with Erica that it's all going to tie in with the church and the cops. Like it's going to get crazy. Um, and then I'm, I'm interested also to see how this uh, conciliary with benefits relationship develops as well. Uh, Cause I, <laughs> I, I, I like their chemistry. I think it's really great. Um, and I think, again, I think she's good for him. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if, 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 if he actually will sell as well, if she will finally go high <laughs> enough for him to sell. <laughs> uh, all right that's going to do it for this episode thank you guys so much for tuning in again like subscribe share interact with us in the chat Alyssa, where can we find you yeah just at Alyssa dickard on twitter and instagram awesome mr lauren you can find me on instagram and twitter at at lauren Kling. erica you can follow me on all of my social media at Erica, E-R-I-K-A, D as in Dora Edwards. And you can catch me here at uh, Mondays at 5 if you watch The Shy and want to come back. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Sean Star 75 on the gram. Gorilla Suit Sean on Twitter. 
And you can find me on the I May Destroy You After Show Mondays, 6.30 or 7. We're still figuring it out, but we'll be here. (laughs) Anyway, check out all our shows. And until next time, we'll see you then. Thank you, everybody. Bye, thanks. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.